Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversation podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Bogwa. Last week, we talked about the importance of investing in science journalism. This week, we're looking into how African countries are investing in research for development. So, the African Union has set a target of 1% of GDP to be invested on research and development by African countries. Data from the UNESCO Institute for Statistics shows that only South Africa, Kenya and Senegal are close to this target, investing around 0.8% of their GDP. Countries like Nigeria, Africa's largest economy, currently spends 0.1% of their GDP on research. This is in comparison to countries like Singapore spending 2.1% of their GDP. So, I've invited Dr. Judy Omumba to discuss this issue and help us understand why research is important and if African countries are investing in research as they seek to develop. Thank you so much, Judy, for coming. Would you please tell us who is Dr. Omumbo? Right. My, my name is uh, Dr. Judy Omumbo, and I work at the African Academy of Sciences. Um, uh, at the Academy, I work as a senior program manager, and I manage the postdoctoral programs. These are fellowship programs for postdoctoral researchers across Africa. Mm-hmm. We also have an affiliates program. Uh, these are members, young scientist members of the Academy. And then I also handle a broad portfolio uh, in the area of climate sciences because uh, climate sciences is really my background. Thank you so much, Dr. Judy, for finding time to join us today and discuss this whole issue of research and development in Africa. It's always a great pleasure to talk to you, Sophie. So uh, thank you for inviting me. Perfect. Okay. So I would want us to start um, and I would want us to simplify this conversation as best as we can. Uh, by just defining what we mean when we talk about research. Is it about math? Is it about hard sciences? What is research about? (laughs) That's a very funny first question. Uh, Well, I think sometimes we just need to demystify things like terms. When somebody says research, Mm -hmm. research is is really the human condition. We're always researching. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're collecting data about weather patterns. Today is very cold in Nairobi. Uh, The information comes in from what you see, what you hear on the radio. Mm -hmm. It makes you, uh, allows you to make a decision on how you conduct your day. What time should I go out? Should I go for a run now? Should I go later in the day? And really basically research is putting together evidence Mm -hmm. so that you can make decisions. And this is, you know, we start doing this as soon as you land on earth and you're able to, to start making decisions for yourself about things. So um, I think the traditional sense of research tends to be, uh, you know, many old professor type people sitting around a question and chewing mm. around it mm. and, then, <laughs> and, and then publishing papers. That's what research is all about. It's about using evidence to make informed decisions about anything and in any field. So that means everyone on a day-to-day basis is a researcher. That's right. I mean, your, your interest, for example, on, on climate means you're, you're uh, gathering different views of people who have, uh, you know, some experience and strong, uh, strong feelings about certain things. You know, who's speaking about these things? Mm-hmm. And you're currently conducting research. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So when we talk about now research for development, what is that? So that gives you the uh, sort of the reason now why there's a certain type of research is conducted. 
Um, I think it's become a very big thing at the moment to talk about development mm -hmm. uh, in the context of, of several global initiatives to address the pressing needs that certain countries have, that certain countries may have uh, in terms of, of development. I mean, for Africa, we've talked for many years about, about the uh, development goals, agenda set up, set by the AU, mm -hmm. uh, agenda set by STISA for, for uh, you know, uh, science and technology and innovation. Um, the Millennium Development Goals that became mm -hmm. now the SDGs and yeah. so on. So really, research is, again, the gathering of evidence to inform those agendas. So if we're talking about developments in agriculture, uh -huh. uh, research around agriculture, research around the social issues around agriculture, the economics around agriculture, uh, the, the development of uh, uh, communities of practice around that area of development. But I think the, the key thing about development is that it's really a, a truly intersectoral question. Mm. You know, it's not specific. Uh, let's, let's do research on mathematics around a formula in mathematics and so on. It's more bringing practitioners from all areas of society, from all corners of society, around a question that addresses people and how we live and how we protect uh, our lives and how, how we essentially uh, development happens in a nation, in a region, or indeed globally. Absolutely. And why is it important to invest in research? It's the big thing really around um, evidence. Uh, you can't, you can't uh, even measure whether you're growing or getting somewhere where you don't have the correct tools. Mm -hmm. The evidence is sort of evidence is, is sort of like tools. You know, if you were going out to build a treehouse, for example, mm -hmm. you need to sit down and think, what do I need to get to the point where I have complete uh, a complete treehouse? So the number of nails you get, or you know, think of different plans. What's the best way of skinning this rat? Uh, gather the people around who you know, who have access to, who can talk to you around that plan, and then put your plan together. Mm -hmm. Now, the research is just to ensure that you meet the, the goals that you have set. So, mm -hmm. without so you don't start on a journey to go somewhere without the correct, correct tools and the correct means to get there. So the research is gathering that evidence. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at an issue for deve development, uh, for example, in the area of, of climate change mm -hmm. in Africa, what evidence do we have that there is indeed impacts of climate change in Africa, or even is, is there climate change in Africa? Yeah. Uh, what do we know that is impacting in, in the social sphere? Uh, what do we know is impacting people? Is it impacts in health? Are there impacts in uh, water resources? Are there impacts in agriculture? And so on and so forth. So the way it's done is we gather experts in these fields, we gather the evidence that has been put out by experts in their publications, mm -hmm. uh, in the research that might not have been published, but in the grey literature, and so on, and then make an educated decision on how you plan to achieve those uh, felt goals for, yeah. for, for development. It's very interesting that um, you, you, you talk about it that way because when I was, I was researching, I was up to this article published on the World Economic Forum uh, saying that we do not have enough scientists in Africa. And it's interesting looking at a continent that, according to World Bank, is home to about 15% of the world population. 
and I find that we have 25% of the global burden of disease. Um, but then again, the article says that it produces about 2% of the world research output. So I'm wondering how, how are we in terms, where are we in terms of investing in research in Africa? I mean, if we upped the number of scientists by mm -hmm. 1 million in Africa, would mm -hmm. that make an impact? So I think it's uh, really looking, I mean, if we compare ourselves, the US statistics that you had shared with me earlier on, uh, compare ourselves with countries like India, Africa, you know, these are kind of a lot of um, R&D, but uh, the proportion of researchers per million ha inhabitants of mm -hmm. India or of South Africa mm -hmm. is similar to what the proportion is in, in, in Kenya. And then, you know, I've, I've well, a sort of privileged position of working at the African Academy of Science, where, Sciences, where you can look at, we're able to, to uh, get a sense of the feel of science across the continent. Mm -hmm. Now, over the years, they say maybe 30 years ago, every paper on science would start, oh, there's a paucity of scientists in Africa for doing this, oh, there's no capacity for doing that, and so on and so forth. But then recognizing that this capacity has grown mm -hmm. exponentially, mm -hmm. you know. And then science is not the realm of scientists only. Mm -hmm. Think about science, science and, and development. There are people who have not been to any university and have not registered, you know, have not published anything. But they're doing great things. I mean, think of all of the innovations that have come out of Africa that are scientific innovations. Mm -hmm. Yes, they have just become, they've just come from ordinary citizens who have thought through things and said, I am going to uh, develop mobile technology for yeah. banking. That came out of Africa. We're going through a phase now where there's a, a lot happening uh, in Africa around, around, you know, interventions for COVID, yeah. for example. You know, many people think, oh, we can build this. Maybe it's been invented, but Africa needs one at quarter that price. Mm -hmm. And they have innovated. You know, all of this is really science. So I think um, we shouldn't focus on the, on, on the number. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think one should begin to start focusing on, on, on how to support the best minds to do, to do the best things. Yeah. So where we have innovators, you know, a healthy a healthy environment for innovation would be really important to say, look, anybody who has an idea can find somewhere for this idea to be, to be funded and for it to be amplified. Mm -hmm. Of course, it helps to have scientists and researchers, you know, in many of them within this, this field. But I, I think it, what's more important is to have a culture of, of understanding science and innovation mm. uh, in a country. When you look at the, the UN statistics, it shows that very few countries, like just South Africa, Kenya, that is actually spending close to 1% of the African Union uh, set that African countries should spend on research and development. But I'm listening to you speak, and you're talking about all the improvement and all the technologies that the young people have been coming up with. So when it comes to issues of recording research that is actually being done in Africa, is it that some of innovations like in universities or other things that are not even done formally are not recorded? That is why it shows that we have very few research that is actually going on in, in Africa. Well, there's, there's that problem. I, I mean, what you call recording. I think uh, the peer review process is, 
is sort of the standard way of, of looking at scientific excellence. And I think it's, it's very important. But when you're talking around development, you know, as I say, there are other ways that, that uh, you know, science and innovation can grow. Um, it, 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 raises, it, raises, it raises many issues, you know. How do we measure science? How do we tell that our country is, is producing enough scientists to meet their needs? You know, I don't think that there's a, you know, a particular number or a particular ratio, you know. I just strongly feel, you know, if you want to go into science, there need to be the environment for that. Um, it raises also, also the issues of how much, how much is that community, how much is that country putting in to that R&D environment? Yeah. Because if, if, for example, you're starting off as a, your career and you're good at science, you know, we are talking about Kenya, you go to school, your teacher says, oh, you're good at math, you should do a science, you should do science. Many people don't even know what that means. What career do I do I follow? You know, I was talking to a bunch of physicists where everybody just feels, oh, physics is very difficult and only three people in the class are good enough to do it. And then they do physics and, and everybody's wondering, what are they going to do with it afterwards? You become a, a, a lecturer and that's the end of the, the, the road for you. But I think, you know, really changing that environment to know that there is actually career paths in certain fields of science uh, and a government, you know, national governments must put money into, they must put money into R&D, you know, seriously, seriously set targets to say, this is really important for our development yeah. because it's the future mm. and make sure that that is funded so that we can address the gap. So for me, the gap is more in, in the funding of that R&D environment rather than even, uh, you know, in the channels, you know, I think, I think uh, the teaching of science in our country is pretty good, you know, having gone through a curriculum in this country and then gone to practice science outside the country, mm -hmm. realize, you know, we, we don't really have Africans who travel somewhere else, getting mm -hmm. there and finding that they're not at par with scholars in, in places where they have much, much more, you know, money put into to R&D or, or even into the into education system earlier on. Mm. So I think for me, the significant gap is really now that transition between, okay, we have the basic science and now how can we input it into addressing the, the problems that, that, that a government, that a nation has defined as their priorities look at countries like the largest um, economy in Africa, that is Nigeria. Nigeria, according to the statistics, shows that they spend about 0.1% of their GDP on research. And looking at Mauritius, that just categorized just the other day as a high-income country, also spend 0.2% of their GDP on research. You know, and, and this is in contrast when you look at countries like South Africa. South Africa spends about 0.8% of their GDP. But when you look into countries that, for example, uh, Singapore keep on being compared as one of the countries that was probably in the same category as Kenya some years back, but that country spends about 2.1% of the GDP um, on, on research. I'm, I'm just wondering in terms of spending, um, does it mean that spending 0 0.1, 0 0.8, is it too little in terms of investing in research before we even look into the manpower itself? For sure, you know, I think that spending gap is, is, is massive. Um, you know, I think the biggest challenge for countries like ours that are, you know, low middle income as we, as we tend to get defined mm. is there are so many immediate conflicting immediate needs mm -hmm. and a lot of uh, 
politics around how money needs to be spent within a certain period of years that you know sort of matches how long that particular government is going to be in place so the ability to sort of put money into things into that are going to happen in the future is very highly impacted negatively by that um, that kind of thinking um, there has to be a threshold and I think less than 1% of the GDP is a very low bar for something so important. You know, so, so, so you know, to answer the first part of your question, that is too little. Yeah. That is too little. But I think, you know, there's um, a need for maybe economists to sort of start thinking through what is the best funding model? I mean, because so yeah. far, mm -hmm. putting money into, into things like, like, like uh, research and development is, is sort of seen something like as, as something that only countries that have extra wealth mm. can do. So, and yet there is wealth. There's a lot of wealth in Africa. There's really a lot of wealth in Africa. So can we start looking at other funding models? I mean, we can, we can benchmark with other nations. Mm -hmm. um, I think the business community in many African countries is completely left out of, out of thinking of national goals. You know, businesses are set up for, 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 for just the owner, mm -hmm. you see, and the money doesn't go beyond there. Um, I think to looking at things like policies to make sure that if your in your business is is uh, using the benefit of of having people from our population working on it you're duty bound to give some money towards r d for the future of the people who have worked for you and helped you grow so i i feel there's a lot of a lot of feeling that you know growing personal wealth without it improving anything for the nation is a, is a, is a, a culture that we are mm -hmm. developing, mm -hmm. which we need to start talking about as, 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 you know, the distinguished citizens of this continent. Yeah. You know, how much do Africans give in philanthropy, for example? Mm -hmm. So if you think of other places where philanthropy funds many things, in fact, they, they may even fund internationally. Uh, whereas on this continent, where there are, you know, we can't say that there are no resources in this country. There are you know, seriously wealthy people in this country. Yeah. So there's also, you know, a, a sort of culture that maybe from, from, from the way we have uh, been socialized, where you feel, okay, I'll help so-and-so because they're my sister or they're my brother and so on, but not quite thinking the quality of life for everybody can be benefited by everyone giving a little bit more to this, this, this common goal that mm. we, call, we call development. We had a very good talk once with a, a colleague on, on um, the achievement of sustainable development goals. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, he just asked a simple question about, have we achieved the SDGs mm. <laughs> in, mm. Africa? in Africa? And then looked around the room and then asked individual, uh, you, you, know, you, Judy, have you achieved your SDGs? Mm -hmm. And the answer mm -hmm. is yes, I have clean water. I yeah. have access to healthcare. Mm -hmm. So it's not an impossible dream for an mm -hmm. African to achieve this SDGs. Yeah. If I can have it, and there's no special thing about me, then yeah. every African should sure. have that same potential. Mm. And, you know, we're looking at Africa, we don't have generational wealth. You don't have to go very far in your, in your family to find somebody who is a cousin, has not achieved their SDGs. So mm. what is the difference? 
So let's see, we know, just be honest about these things that are, are holding us back and, and talk and, and, and have a, a good conversation about how do we achieve these goals that we're setting without, and, and not continue having goals where we're running towards the goalposts and then we get there, we pick it up, continue running forward to place it down a little further. Otherwise, you know, the SDGs will turn into the other DGs and the next DGs for the next 60 years, 100 years, yeah. I'm thinking of where we are currently in terms of the global pandemic, coronavirus, and is it more urgent now? Because every nation basically right now is grappling with how to deal with their own cases and with their own issues currently. We've seen the issues of um, us depending, even simple thing as masks, we're depending on, on, on imports. Is it urgent now, Africa's think of like, how do we looking to our home base. We've seen trending on Twitter, Kenyans who are making hospital beds. Is it urgent that Africa looks within and say, okay, what can we do for our continent? Because it doesn't mean that we lack manpower, but probably that political will to, you know, to invest the money where it should be and making sure that we are raising a critical mass of our own researchers or technologies that can help in terms of sort out the challenges that we have in the country, which is will also be cheaper and accessible. So I, th I think, you know, your question just it takes us back to what we started with. You know, we, we want to tackle a problem, mm -hmm. an issue, COVID. Mm -hmm. We must gather the information, you know, we must gather the evidence. Um, I think the COVID situation is giving us a, a natural experiment on what's happening. We obviously cannot rely on other countries because they have similar issues with us, you know. Mm -hmm. um, COVID has come across the, the world as a complete equalizer. Yeah. And nobody really knows what to do. You know, there are social issues, there are financial issues, there's travel, there's people's behavior, there's, you know, it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. But, you know, there, there is always a scientific method. You know, let's find out here mm -hmm. in Kenya, let's find out in Africa, where are our points yeah. of strength, where yeah. are our points of, of, of weakness, let's uh, focus on doing the basic epidemiology, you know, how many, how many people are getting infected, what are those rates, you know, at the moment we don't even have a, a clear sense of prevalence, you know, because it's been very difficult to collect denominators, we're really just operating with, okay, so we hear there's an infection over there. So we're mm -hmm. going to run and try and, and stop it over there. And while you're over there, it's broken out elsewhere again. I mean, there's systematic approaches to finding measures that give, that give helpful information to people to make informed decisions about whether they should travel somewhere, whether they should, you know, should open this uh, uh, travel bans or not, you know, all those kinds of things. One must invest into in the, in the basic science of finding that out. For example, mm -hmm. you know, within a high risk population, we need to know how many people are high risk, how many people are exposed. Now, those who get exposed and recovered, can we have scientists looking at what what happens with their immunity mm -hmm. after that? You know, are people getting any immunity? Do we need to worry about those who have recovered, come out of hospital, they're now back home, they're COVID negative? Are they at risk of getting it again? I mean, there are certain very basic questions. Mm -hmm. Like even, you know, I don't think any country can say that the prevalence rate is this number of people per number for, for, for this population because we don't know what the denominators are. Mm 
based according to different risk categories. So I think sometimes it helps to really just stop and make a long-term plan. Yeah. Yes. And the long-term plan is where you sit down and let's gather the, uh, the, the evidence, let's gather the, you know, get the experts to sit together. I'm thinking we end this conversation here for this particular podcast. And then we, um, we look into what is being done in terms of improving research in Africa um, next week. Thank you. That was Dr. Judy Omumbo, a senior programs manager at the African Academy of Sciences, talking to us on the importance of research. Until next week, Kwaheri, do have yourself a productive and safe week ahead. <music>